that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Seated upon his throne. High and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above you stood seraphim. Each had six wings. Each had six faces. One is called the Christ, the most holy, holy, holy. The Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then we turn our attention to Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise the fit the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with harps and stringed strings. Sing to him a new song. Wait skillfully on his strength with glad shouts. Father, thank you for these few minutes that we can look intently at the word of God. You said it will take care of how we morning, we want to take care of how we do it. We're asking for this word to change us, to bring us closer to you and renew our minds and deepen our faith. We want to please you in all that we say and do. And so thank you for this moment. I pray that the spirit will come and anoint everything that we do. Anoint me to speak, anoint the hearer to hear. And Lord, um, cause our hearts to be stirred by your word. And so we, we invite the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to come and do what I cannot do. Do, Holy Spirit, what only you can do. Let us be humbled by your word and let us be transformed by your word. And so thank you this, this morning in Christ's name. Amen. So we've been looking at this passage, you know, looking at um, what happened in, in Isaiah when Isaiah Isaiah saw the Lord and, and in the midst of seeing the Lord, he Something triggered in him. He, he felt unclean. He felt there was something not right with him. And Isaiah's conviction of his uncleanness was triggered by, by how, the way the seraphims was magnifying God as this called one to him. How, you know, and they, they were seeking the glories of God. They were seeking each other, right? They were seeking this magnificence. And so, um, and so he, he was just gripped by that when he... You know, and, and it teaches us that when we, we begin to see the king in his glory, something should happen in us. It ought, to, it ought to compel us to bless the Lord together, to praise God, to exalt in the Lord together, right? Not to be silent, right? But to really exalt in the Lord, you know. And we see that, we see that um, in, in, in Ephesians 5.17. Even Paul tells us here, therefore do not be foolish, but uh, but do un- understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine. That is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the, the, the Apostle Paul expected us to be addressing to one another, growing, speaking to one another, the, the majesties of God. And so we, we began to look at, you know, I started looking at some of the hymns and says, I'm, I'm talking at night. Now I'm kind of saying, so what are some necessary conditions for this life of exaltation? Look at, look at, look at Psalm, 130, Psalm 33 again. Psalm 33 is just another ex- example of 
Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skilled skill. You see all this, this, this declaration, this, this, this call to, to really bless the Lord together. Amen? And, to, and you see Psalm 33 really encourage us in that. And we find, we find that um, what are some necessary conditions? What are conditions for this life of exaltation of God? And we find that righteousness. Righteousness is extremely important and necessary condition. Shout for the Lord for joy in the old you righteous. So this idea that th- those who are going to shout for to the Lord, the ones who are going to exalt in the Lord, are the righteous. It's, it's, you know, so it's something that we want to begin to understand. Lord, I want my life, how many want your life to really boast in the Lord, right? Uh, we want to boast in God. We want to declare how great he is. We don't want to be shy when it comes to the Lord, right? How many have felt shy? I remember I was feeling, especially when I was younger, I was felt shy to praise the Lord. I felt shy. I felt self-conscious. Is that a terrible feeling or what? It, just, it was just a terrible feeling. I hated that feeling. We want to be free, but here's the condition. The condition is a life of righteousness. And we began to ask, you know, what is this righteousness? And so we, we, we began to say that to really appreciate this righteousness, right, that has come, God's special favor is on the righteous. We see that in Psalm 512, for you bless the righteous. You bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So there's a special favor on those who are righteous. So, and we said, okay, there's two things that we have to understand. What is this righteousness? What is this, you know, how can we understand this? And, and I said that there's two things that we have to understand. You have the work of justification. You know, the work of justification in Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works. Right? So that's the first thing. You know, don't, 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 um, don't confuse righteousness and justification. Don't, com- don't confuse that. Understand that the work of, ro- of justification, right, is, is a distinct work from the work of righteousness. Secondly, secondly, there is the work of righteousness. The work of righteousness, right? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness. So, you know, justification is not something that you practice. You can't practice your justification. Jesus has given you. Jesus has made you right with God. But with righteousness, righteousness is something that we practice according to Jesus. And so he says here, right, we find that there are three things that he tells us about righteousness. He says that righteousness is something that you do, right, something that you practice, something that you do. Secondly, righteousness is something that is visible. How do you have to get a slide for that? Something that is visible, right? Something that you do, something that is visible. And then thirdly, righteousness is something that is rewarded. God rewards righteousness. All right, so the so righteousness refers to that work of God in us by which we do what is right. So justification is to become right. Just righteousness is to do right. We want to do right. 
And so we began to ask last week. You know, we'll, we looked at also, I mean, a clear scripture in 1 John 3, 7. So it, what is righteousness, right? Whoever practices righteousness is what? Is a righteous person. So in, in Psalm 33, Psalm 33, right? When the Lord, when he shouts to the, to, for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, he is referring not to the person who's only justified, but he's referring to those who have to practice righteousness. And so, we're, we're, and, and so our joy is going to be bound up in this righteousness. So we began to ask the question last week, what in the world, what is a righteous work? What, what does it mean? Um, what exactly is the work of righteousness? You know, I didn't, I didn't tell you the answer um, until we began to look at a scripture in Psalm 112. And Psalm 112 begins to give us a little bit idea of what does it mean to practice righteousness. What do you do when you practice righteousness? Right? Those are questions that you should be asking. If Jesus says, beware practicing righteousness, well, what, what does he have in mind? What are we doing exactly? And we'll probably come back to Jesus, what Jesus says. But in Psalm 112, we're giving a little bit of a, we're giving a little bit of an understanding of what it means to practice righteousness. What's the attitude? What are the kinds of things that we're doing that would qualify to be righteous? And so look at Psalm 112, verse 9. And this is um, now a, a, a scripture. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. So here we have in the Old Testament, we're, we're given a, a, a kind of an explanation of, uh, at, least, at least a description of what it looks like for righteousness. And the first thing we said last week is that the work of righteousness involves a lavish generosity. You have to be generous. The psalmist says, he has distributed freely. You know, gener being generous. Are you a generous person? Are we generous? Do you consider yourself a generous person? I don't think so. Are we generous, right? Generosity. In, have you ever met people who are generous that, that you feel convicted in their presence? I have. <laughs> right? There's a generosity. I don't think that generosity is a strong character trait in our society. I don't think it is. I think all of us are very protective of our goods and property. Right? Let's be honest, right? It's just the way we've all been conditioned to think about the stuff that I, I'm protective of. I am, you are. I, I think we've learned to be skeptical. I think just mistrust. We're always guarding number one. So I, I do believe that generosity we, it has taken a hit over the past 20, 30, 40 years. We're becoming more, the more materialistic we become as a society, the less generous we become. Let's just be honest. I mean, we start to think in terms of what I have, what I possess, 
and, and we little, even believers, even Christians, right? We're not very generous. You, you think about the book of Acts. Look at the book of Acts. The Bible says that the church sold property, brought it to the church so they could give and serve it to the poor. That's, that's pretty powerful. I'm not there yet. <laughs> are you there? Who's there? God bless you if you are. But, you know, but, you know, it's like, but why not, right? Why aren't we not there yet? Why, what is hindering us from this lavish generosity? And I don't think that's a human trait. I think it's a divine trait. We could be humanly generous, but human generosity does not compete to divine generosity. Amen? And so this idea that he has distributed freely, this idea that we're not protecting what I own, what I have, taking inventory, I've got 25 screws in my drawer. Well, you laugh, that's exactly where I am. <laughs> I got four flathead screwdrivers. And I take an inventory at the end of the day. And I better find four. You know? Right? We're all like that. We're all like very protective of what we have. And we could be a, we could be a good manager. God does not want us to be sloppy. But he wants us to be generous. God gives us all things. wants us to distribute. The word there means to scatter. To scatter in multiple directions. The image there is sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds. You're sowing yourself. You're sowing your time. You're sowing, right? You're giving stuff away. You know, we got to practice this. That's why I like the word practice. Because it doesn't come naturally, right? We gotta practice generosity. We gotta practice being generous. We gotta practice, like, Lord, help me to practice this. I, it doesn't come naturally. I've gotta think about it. I've gotta like prepare. I gotta have a moment of silence in this first conversation, right? Let's be honest. But let's have that moment. Of, if we have to have that moment of silence with ourselves, have that moment of silence. But then get up and rejoice in the Lord, right? Right? You know, I was telling somebody. Somebody was telling me the other day. You know, hey, man, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm, and I told him, oh, yeah, I remember like years ago, I, I felt like the Lord completely possessed everything I had. And I looked in the mirror, and I said, I remember that. And it, it was a nice meeting. I mean, I, but I was totally serious. I, I looked in the mirror, I, I was dying. God calls us to die. Die to who you are, to who, you know, all the things that you, all the, the carnal, Emmanuel, the, no, this is what I am, right? The Dominican one, right? <laughs> I have to die to this. And I haven't, we don't die completely, right? There's a gradual giving of the word. I, I no longer do what I used to do. I'll never forget Jesus spoke to my heart when I was a child and I was sitting there and I knew that you were God. the life that he calls us to. Hello? 
right? That, 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 that gospel has not changed. I know that we are into prosperity, <laughs> but the gospel is still a call to die, to die to our lives, to die to the things that we love, to die to all this stuff, right? And to, and to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Like, hello? What happened to the message that we are called to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to put to death all the things that we lust after, and to begin to allow the God to possess us more fully. Amen? I've got a couple more minutes. But this is, this is the call, and part of that fruit is dying to our doctrines and becoming Christ-like. Amen? And we all need that work. Come on, I need it, you need it. We all need Genuine, but becoming genuine. Not stupid. Now, now, can, can, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call it stupid. I'm not, not going to be stupid. You know, oh, you know, I'm just going to give it away. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, now the Lord's supposed to do that. You know, do it. But that's not you. Usually the Lord doesn't come to you and says, okay, get rid of everything. Yeah, just get rid of it. Open the drawer, throw it out the window. <laughs> he doesn't say that. It doesn't come to you like that. But he does put in your heart, give that person a chance. Do this for the Lord, right? Do this. There's things that the Lord speaks, um, and it, it, just, it just calls, and it's not just stuff. It's not just, um, come on, let's be honest. Our time is probably more precious than actually time. Time. To give your time generously for the sake of others, right? To say, you know what? Now, there's, you still have to go to work. God's not telling you to quit your job and give your time. 100% generous. No, God doesn't tell you to do that. You know, we try to be, we put all this stuff in it, but that's not God's work. But the Lord does encourage us one more time. Give yourself over to others. Give, it, give your time away. This is your time for us to take. Give this time to others. Give this time to others. Right? So the righteous scatter themselves. They're, they're generous. If, if we're going to, if we're gonna, if we're gonna live a life of exaltation, exalting in God, there must be a generosity. And the righteous person is he he lends, right? I think in Proverbs, the righteous person he lends. He just you know he just yeah he just gives away freely. He gives it away, right? Amen. All right, today we're gonna continue to consider this biblical meaning of the work of righteousness. And and another aspect of what it means to a lavish generosity. God wants to cultivate this in us. A lavish generosity. A Christ-glorifying generosity. Not generosity to pump ourselves up. Not a generosity because it's going to make me feel better. We've got to get rid of that. Simply because it pleases God. Whether you feel better or not. Right? That we can be generous because it pleases God. Because my delight is and that he is pleased. And whenever I give, so whether I feel it or not, whether I feel good about myself or not, when I give away in faith, God is pleased. And that should be the crowning moment of our life. That we just want to please God. So we're going to, the righteous person involves a lavish generous. He has this beautiful, like I said, Last week, we looked at it means success. But secondly, secondly, do not fail to notice. Put, put up Psalm you know, 112 on the screen. Let me put it up. 
do not fail to make the sense of the psalm. Now, this is very important. Tell me how the Lord really looked at this guy. He had the strength to sing. All right, so you're going you're gonna to look at that. Don't fail to notice the pay attention to every word of that psalm. He had, say had, the sweetest voice. He had the sweetest voice. That's not a coincidence that the psalmist, inspired by the Holy Spirit, puts it in what's called the perfect tense. He has the sweetest voice. Now, in the Hebrew, um, the perfect tense used the action as a whole, completed. The action of distributing is complete. The righteous person, right, has distributed completely. It really, you know, just so you know, it do, it's not necessarily necessarily has to be with respect to time, as we would think past tense. There is an aspect, but not entirely. It, what it mostly conveys is that the action has been completed. Right? And so it, so it refers to not so much the time of the action, but the kind of action. Does that make sense? It is a completed action, as opposed to he did it in the past. The perfect tense in the Hebrew is not so much a time-oriented um, tense as much as it is a kind. He's telling you the kind of way he has distributed completely. That's very, very helpful. <coughs> in Psalm 112, the psalmist is emphasizing that the righteous person has distributed freely as an entirely completed action. Now, this will mean two things for us. Uh, two things that we, I think that are important. And today we're going to deal with one. I don't, want, I, I, don't, I, I want you to think about this. I don't think we thought about that one thing. This, this sense of being completed, the perfect tense, he has completed, has two implications for us. As, as, a, as, a, as wanting to be righteous, wanting to do something. First of all, <coughs> the righteous person is not just willing to distribute. Does that make sense? He's not just inclined to give, to, dis to distribute. He's not, he's not just it's not just a willingness, right? Right? He has, his willing has terminated in doing completely. Does that, does that make sense? It's not just a willingness, not just a, um, the right, oh, I'm willing to give my stuff away. I'm willing to give. No, that's not what is the emphasis here. The emphasis is, is that he has done it completely. The righteous person does not live his life planning one day, one day I'll distribute. <laughs> right? I mean, how many people live like they're a legend in their minds in the future? <laughs> one day I'm going to accomplish this great thing. But, but no, no, no. He has distributed freely. 
It's not just a willingness to distribute freely. He's done it completely. He has distributed freely as a completed act. Now, what does that tell you? The righteous person is a doer of the word. He's a doer of the word of God. He's a doer of the word. He does the word of God. Look at James 1.22. But be doers of the word. They do it. They, they're not just planning on doing the word of God. They're not just thinking. There might be a season of praying, right? Because to do the word, we need God's help. You can't just say, be careful. I'm just going to do the word of God. No, you need God's spirit to help you. You need God's strength to help you. You, you, you. God needs to equip us to do the word of God. But if we ask, we will receive. Amen? We will receive and we will do the word of God and we will do it in a way that pleases him. So the righteous person is not satisfied. The righteous person is not just content in a willingness to be generous. I think, I think too much, you know, this, this is a problem. I think there's a willingness. People get content with a willingness to give, but they never give. A willingness to share, but they never share. But in their hearts, they're convinced, I'm willing. Right? So what does it mean to be a hearer of the word? But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Right? Be doers of the word, not hearers only. What does, what does it not mean? What does it mean to be a hearer only of the word? I was thinking about this. Like, what does that mean? I know what it means generally. But how does, how does this happen? How, why are there hearers only? How does that development happen? That James has to warn. Be doers of the word. Don't just be hearers only. There's a warning, and I believe there's, there's a reason why. See, what does it mean to be a hearer of the word, only of the word? These are people, number one, that find great delight in the word. They enjoy the word of God. Right? Because if you didn't enjoy it, you would not even hear it. You'd be like, what? <laughs> ah, whatever. Right? It, it assumes that there's a delight, there's a level of joy that comes from hearing. Amen? Come on. Is there a joy from it in, in hearing the word of God? There's a joy. There, there's a great joy that, that comes from hearing the word of God. You know, you know um, in, in the case of hearers only, they, um, the experience of hearing climaxes the experience for them. Wow, this is awesome. Great sermon. Great teaching, right? So, come on. I mean, I did this past week, I was listening to R.C. Sproul. And my heart was just happy just listening. Right? Come on, whenever you hear the word of God, you're like happy. Nothing wrong with that. You should get happy when you hear the word of God. You absolutely should be delighting in his word. But the problem is when hearing the word terminates what do you mean I'm not terminate it just stops there because there is this delight right 
you find delight in the word of God, you read it, you experience delight, and it terminates. Right? That's the danger that I believe James is saying, look, I know. It's like, you know, if we were giving a fruit to give it to somebody else, that's an analogy. But you take a bite of the fruit, woo, it's good. And you throw it out. <laughs> no, the point would be to take a bite and give it to somebody else, right? But the, it tasted so good that it terminated the experience. I, I'm just going to enjoy the fruit from here. And, the, and the, the danger is, like I said, the hearing of the word of God is one of the highest devices of Christianity. I want you to know that. It's one of the highest flights. It's not the highest. But it is one of, it, it is, I consider the second highest flight of hearing the word of God. And that's great. There's a danger. There's a great danger that you experience and terminate the combat. I remember going to seminary. I told you my story. I was going there dry the whole semester for God's sake. Because what I was hearing was just full of righteousness. Just But there's great delight in the word of God. The delight comes from hearing the word. And it creates a moment of, of deep personal satisfaction. In hearing the word of God. And I believe with that deep satisfaction, right, there comes a perception of growth. I'm growing in the knowledge of God, right? right? It, it, it's not rocket science. You hear the word of God, you understand it because the joy comes from understanding the word, right? You, you know, if you read the word and you find joy but you don't understand it, then it's it's like, Honest, like I just gonna say, have a, have a chat, yeah. But the word comes, you understand it, and then in that understanding, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is I get it, right? So, so, so there is this. Um, you understand the word of God, and then it produces joy. And with that understanding, it is un. You begin to have a perception. Of growth. I'm growing. I'm growing in knowledge. I understand something now. I see something more beautiful than, than before I read the scripture. I've acquired knowledge. I've acquired biblical knowledge. I've read something and something excited my soul. I get it. Right? That's why we love to read the Bible every day. Because every day you can experience growth. You can experience a, a, a real understanding of the word of God that can produce joy. Amen? So that sense of satisfaction and growth comes from this acquired knowledge that we got from hearing the word of God, which is fantastic. We're not condemning that in any way. That's awesome. And that's why I think hearers only of the word keep coming back. If they didn't enjoy the word, would they come back? They would not be, they would be a one-time hearer of the word, but then that was <laughs> But to be a hearer of the word means that you're coming back to the word you're enjoying the word, right? You're getting something out of the word, right? You're getting something out of it. Otherwise, you would not come back. However, this, as Paul says in verse 5, James is in a great danger. And this is, for me, more to me than 
and I'm, I, I feel the weight of my because I just want to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, uh, I know it just means, you know, but, but uh, I am delighting in the word, but that's not where things often terminate, right? So, so this is more of a warning for those who delight in the word of God because it can become a fuel Danger. What is the danger of the of the delight that terminates from hearing the word of God? Because it gets jaded, often very jaded. What's the danger? What what happens? Become doers of the word and not hearers only. to form little by little a dislike this is that's why this is you know I don't know why the Lord let me just pass up here up here a little bit because I sense the spirit guiding me do not be do uh, do not be hearers only because the danger is you deceive yourself the deception where does the deception come along the line from? How does that deception end? It comes as a way of an inflated perception. Inflated perception of yourself. You deceive yourself. It, right? You just, yourself is deceived. You, you become deceived. You become somehow deceived. I have to think about that. that, that just being a, a hearer only of the word of God turns into a curse. Think about that. That's, that's wild to me. I'm like, how could something good, right, eventually end up like it is? But something good, but the way we receive it, and if we terminate it, it actually becomes a curse. We deceive ourselves. We start having an inflated perception of ourselves, especially with respect to our relationship with God. And this happens all the time. Especially in our relationship with God, we think we're good. Because I delighted in his word this morning, God and I are this, you know, <laughs> right? Be- why? Because you did experience a delight in the word of God. You did. You can't deny that. And in that delight, it can, it can give you the impression, that's it, you've arrived. And the Lord warns her, no, no, I'm, I'm glad. What are you going to do with the delight of the word? What are you going to do? Do you just digest it for your own personal satisfaction? Or do you, what do you do with it? God wants us to be doers. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. Even, even Paul, Paul says this, something, something about this knowledge. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge, what does it do? Puffs up. But love. You see the contrast? Knowledge. Acquired knowledge. You know the word puffs up means? It means to inflate with air. <laughs> I, love, I love these pictures. It's inflate with air. You know, we, we're inflated with air. You know? 
We should be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with air. Amen? <laughs> you know, we're like, we're, we're like and, and the fullness that you feel is just air. It's not the Spirit of God. Right? It's not, you're, you're not filled with the Spirit. You're filled with theological air. Biblical air. <laughs> right? And it's real. You feel, you feel, you feel packed. But it's just air. Basically, this, this sense, um, the word puff is this sense of an exaggerated self-control. Speechless, pride, conceit. Being a hearer only of the word leads to pride and selfishness. Especially if it's affecting your children. You think you, you have an over, you think too highly. Right? And this happens all throughout history. This, I mean, you read the scriptures. And what you find is that many people, they would approach God thinking that we're like this, only to find out that God is like, get, o- get away from me. Right? Totally deceived. Totally thinking, hey, uh, hey, Lord, Yahweh, how you doing? And the Lord is like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't even know you. You know what I'm Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, um, the people in Isaiah's time found themselves in the grip of this self-deception. Look, just listen very clearly how the Lord addresses the people in Isaiah 58. He says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people what? Their strength. To the house of Jacob, their now, you would think that the next verse would say, so they entered the houses of the whorehouses and did the abominable thing. Right? You would, right? It would be logical to say, it's declared by people their transgressions to the house of Jacob, so they have entered the wicked places. <laughs> that, that gets you shrouded up. That's not what it says. Look what it says. Verse 2. Some of us would seek the Lord three times a week. Uh, these people are seeking them how often? Daily. And this is not them saying it. Who's telling them? The Lord is. That means it's what? Absent. It means that our act, God is not exaggerating. Well, th- I really meant three twice a week. No, the Lord says daily. He says that they seek me Stand and praise God for people that seek God daily. Not only that, and you think that you know you, you think of you could, you could be thinking like Martin Luther, the Catholics, you know, they're flooding in. You know, oh, yeah. No, they delight to know my ways. They, they find joy. They are like excited on the ways of God. Hey Amen. I want to be more like that, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Lord, maybe, maybe you got it wrong, Jesus. I mean, I don't know, Lord, maybe, you, m- let's talk about this, Lord. I mean, they seek you daily, and they delight to know your ways. Come on, what, what's wrong with that, Lord? <laughs> it's like, right, but you got this paradox, you got this, you got this conundrum, right? This thing that, it just doesn't fit. What, declare to my people their transgression. They seek me daily, and they like to know my ways. Does that sound weird? It sounded weird just me speaking it, you know? Yeah, right? It sounds weird. It just it seems like, you know, it just doesn't fit. 
logically, they seek to advantage. They take great pleasure in minimizing, not the ways of other people, not the ways of the nation. They delight in my tells you, as if, as if they were a nation that did do that, do, did, done, <laughs> that did not hear, not contemplate, not consider, right? <laughs> as if they were a nation that did do, right? You see God's heart? Yeah, he loves that we seek him. He, love, he loves that we delight in his way. But if we're not, if that's not leading us to doing righteousness, there's a big problem with God. And we've got to hear this message. Because I think we've gotten comfortable. It's like, I've gotten comfortable. You've got, we've all gotten comfortable. But God is pushing us, right, by the spirit of God, not by works, not by legalism. No, 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 no. Get rid of that. There's nothing of that. But by the spirit of God, he's, he's encouraging us, come on. For too long, you put, you put your Christianity on autopilot. You come in, you come out, come in, come out. But you're not really pressing in to, to do my will. As if they were a nation. As if they were a nation that truly did righteousness. They did not forsake the judgment of the Lord. They ask you of righteousness. They delight to draw near to God. You think about this generation. So many, uh, you know, especially before the pandemic, so many worship concerts. Everywhere you were, everybody had a worship concert like, every day of the week. So it's not like the, the nation's not changing. The nation's getting worse. The church is getting declining, right? But the righteous person is not satisfied with being a hearer only. They want to do the will of God. Although they, they find great delight in hearing the word. The issue here is not doing the word despite if you're, no, we have to delight in the word of God. We have to delight in it. We have to delight in his way, but it doesn't terminate there. The reason he wants us to delight in the word is not to terminate in a good emotional feeling. I just, oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's it. No, he wants me now to take that joy of the word of God and put teeth that joy is that because you've done this to me, Lord, I want to live my life to, for, the, for the sake of others, for the glory of your name. Right? The righteous have come to understand that the, God gives the word in order to perform it. Look at Jeremiah 1.12. Jeremiah 1.12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to what? To perform it. God, and we are an integral means by which God performs his word. He doesn't perform his word apart from us. He performs his word in us. The word becomes flesh. Amen? So he wants us to walk. In a, and, and so I'm, I'm just encouraging all of us, first myself. Because a lot of the shouting is coming from that little that little carnal Emmanuel, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just like, you know, because I want to live more for the glory of God. I want to live, I want to live abandoned to the purposes of God. He says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I want to perform my word. I'm not just, I'm not just giving you my word. I want to, I want to perform it. And you are a, an instrument in that performance. 
They know that in doing the word, here's the righteous thing. They know that in doing the word, there actually comes an even greater delight. Right? Remember, I thought hearing the word is great delight. But you know what? Doing the word is a greater delight. Amen? Doing the word of God, it terminates. Your delight terminates there, and there's an explosion of joy. Amen? You know, so hearing the word is fantastic, but doing the word, there comes great delight. Look, look at Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, well, what? Well, heard. Well, thought. <laughs> right? Well, meditated. No, well, say it all. Well done. Right? I mean, I mean, it, we have, everybody says, you know, oh, when I get to heaven, the Lord will say to me, well done. What, what are you doing? <laughs> are you doing anything? No. It's all Christ. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. This, he's going to lie? God's going to lie? If God's going to lie that day, no, he's going to say, well done to those who have done by the power and grace of Jesus Christ. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. What do servants do? Are they thinkers, philosophers? What do servants do? They do. They do. <laughs> they, they do. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now, look where the twist begins. Enter into what? The joy. Whose joy? So doing the word is the gateway to a new delight. <laughs> so hearing the word is wonderful. He, he delights our souls. But when you do the word, only in that condition do you enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about increasing our joy so that when we, we can begin to shout to the Lord, Oh, you righteous. Right? That when we do the word of God, when we're, when we're asking God to help us, he meets us in a very special way. I'm, gonna, I'm going to finish with this. So are you taking care of what you are hearing every Sunday? Teach, encourage, establish. Look at Luke 8, 28. Take care then how you hear. We have to take care. We can't just hear. We have to, now we have to take care. Manage it with the goal, right? He said, but to the one who has, more will be given. If we take care of what we hear, and we put it into practice by the help, with the help of God's mercy and grace and the power of the Spirit. More will be given. But notice what he says. But from the one who has not, even, <laughs> you gotta love the word of God, right? What does the word say? Even what he, what? He thinks he has. He doesn't have it, really. But what he thinks he has. You see that, old, you see that overinflated value? We think when we, when we terminate in just being hearers of the word, we think we have more than that we really do. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to take away that thinking. I'm going to expose the emptiness of your life. Even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So let's be encouraged, you know, to um, let's distribute freely. Let's be generous. Let's be generous. Let's go back to Psalm 112. 
he has distributed to the poor. He has given to the poor. His righteousness. God wants us with all that Jesus Christ has given us. And if you hear more of a sense of an obligation, you have not heard right. All of this is because of Jesus Christ. All of this is because our names are written in the book of life. What's your response to the person you love? What's your response to God's kindness to you? Is it, is it a servant or a pleaser or righteous? In the last verse, in Malachi chapter 3, I believe the Lord is cleansing us. Cleansing us. The Lord wants to do something. I believe God, I, I believe the Lord has come to the church here, especially in the West, in America. And I believe he's, he's begun a good work. I believe he's done a good work in my heart, your heart. And he's, um, he's asking for us. And he says in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom, what? You seek, right? So, that, so we have to be seeking the Lord, right? So, but that doesn't mean that just because we're seeking him that, um, that things are good, right? We, we could be... We could be seeking the Lord, and, um, and, and maybe for whatever reason, we're off a little bit. But God's goodness and kindness and steadfast love endures forever. Amen? That God doesn't expect perfection from us. He brings correction. He brings adjustment to our lives. He, he, he's, he's doing a marvelous work in our lives. And it doesn't depend on us, but it depends on the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he says, and the Lord whom you seek, so you got these people seeking God, but they're kind of like off. But they're still seeking. They're still, Lord, man, we want more of you, Jesus. Like, we're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. We're, we're, we, 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 want, we want to seek you. They're not lazy. They're not like just, you know, they're seeking the Lord. And the Lord whom you seek will presently come. Amen? I believe God's coming. I believe Jesus Christ will come where? Where will he come? To his church, to his people. He will come. Amen? And the messenger of the covenant, when you, God, what, what do you do? You delight. So we seek and we delight. You see that again? But something is off in Malachi. He doesn't come, he, he's not coming to, like, commend them and reward them. I'm, and my reward is with me. <laughs> no, he's not coming for that. They're seeking him. They're delighting in him. Uh, but something is off. Something's not right. So he has to do a work. And in verse, verse 2, look what he says. He says, for who can endure? Isaiah's talking. Who can stand? And he, he, he his life is going to shine like a light. He's going to purify, right? And like full of soap, he's going to cleanse them. This people, they need to be refined. They need to be cleansed. Although they're seeking God and they're delighting in God. He says it. Whom you seek and who delight in my way, he says it. They're delighting. They're not like a backslidden people. They're not like living for themselves, you know. No, they're seeking God. They're delighting in God, but something's not right. And I believe that God is, I believe that that's us. I believe that the Lord has come. We seek him, and we, but, but he, wants to, he wants to make things right. And I believe he's doing that. I believe, I, believe, I think it's through cancer. He's doing that in us. He came with refinest fire. In my case, he came with lymphoma. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to refine this little, this little guy. And I'm going to help him to really put his trust in me. I'm going to help him to really, you know, like all these things are, are gifts from God. Come on, let's see God. Right? These, all these things, we, we, we complain. But at the end of the day, God, all things work together for good to those who love God. And so he comes with refiner's fire. I don't know what kind of fire is going to come in your life. 
But there'll be a fire. <laughs> there'll be something that's going to come to your life and it will purify and there's going to be some kind of soap. There's soap coming in your life. Maybe a co-worker. Maybe a relationship. I don't know what it is. Maybe a, maybe a health situation. But there's going to be fire and soap in our lives. I believe that. I believe all of us are experiencing fire and soap. Right? The burning and then the, and then the soap. And you, and you know, what happens when you put soap to burn skin? <laughs> right? And sometimes it hurts, you know. But he's coming to purify us. Verse 3. Look what he says. He is faithful. You know what that tells me? He's in no rush. <laughs> Lord, just go sit. I don't have a chair. Just keep do it quick. <laughs> no. He finds a chair. He sits down. We're going to sit and we're going to take it slow. Four months. Two years. He was there to refine us, purify us. He will. What will he, will, what will he do? He will. He will not fail. Jesus will not fail. He will purify us. Sons of God. Who are the sons of God? You and I are. Amen, right? We're the priesthood. We're the new priesthood of the new covenant. We're the, we're, he's going to purify the sons of Levi. He will refine us like gold from the furnace. Isn't that people, is that encouraging? Or you're too concerned about the fire and soap? <laughs> Let's go back to the fire and soap. It's going to be really hard. You know, like, 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 yeah, it's going to be hard. But isn't it wonderful that he will purify us? And he will refine us like gold and silver. Amen? What, what, what cares what man, what, how we get there? The, the, the point is that we will be like gold and silver. Amen? And guess what's going to happen when they're finally right, refined like gold and silver? What happens then? They will what? Bring what kind of offering? Sacrifices. <laughs> we will begin to do We'll begin to practice. We'll begin to put into into motion those things that God wants us to do. Amen? Not just believe, not just you know, contemplate, not just incline, but we will bring offerings in righteousness. That means acts of kindness. We will finally learn how to truly love generously. We're going to walk in a way, and God's going to be like, that's my people. Look at Look what I've done. Look what I've done in them. They're generous. They're giving away things. They love people. And they finally are learning what it means to walk in love. Amen. That's what Jesus is doing in our lives. And, and if, it has not, if your time has not come yet, it will come sooner or later. A fire to purify us. We've got to be purified. Let's be honest. This generation, we've lost so much of our God. If you, you can't do a word and it's not dependent on that, he will purify the sons of God. He will accomplish his purpose in us. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray. Abby, why don't you just come and, 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 and Father, we are so just overwhelmed by, by your goodness to us. Lord, we, we, we know the path is not easy. But you are going to purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and you will not fail. What's such encouragement we could look at our lives and we could become so pessimistic. We could become discouraged, uh, you know, so easily. And, but yet we have the word of God to remind us that you will purify us. You will, there will be that moment when the work in Christ in us will be complete and it will be perfect 
I will be presented before the throne of heaven with exceeding joy. And that boggles my mind when I think that I have so many issues in my life, so much that I, oh my gosh, have mercy. And yet, you will accomplish your work in me and in all of us. And perhaps there are some here that, that are just struggling with believing the promises of God for their lives. And they've allowed discouragement, they've allowed things to rob them of the joy and to keep them from the path of righteousness. They've stopped giving, stopped loving, stopped, Lord, just um, being generous because they become discouraged and what they become. One word, what's the name of it? I pray for them today. That you, O oh God, will be merciful and you will open their eyes to see the provision and the gift of Christ in their life. And so thank you just, I just say thank you for all that you're doing in their life. And bless them.